0: morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com. And that's right, everyone. Just a network announcement. Nachum is switching over exclusively to the Nachum Siegel Network, leaving after many, many years of JM and the AM on WFMU 91.1, coming out of Jersey City, New Jersey. That quaint little downtown townhouse Down in uh, along near the waterfront in Jersey City Nachum is going to be switching over To full-time The future of internet radio That we are on So before the switchover Which I believe is December 1st You should get yourself that NSN app You can listen to us all the time 24-6 on the stream Constant entertainment From the Jewish side And the Jewish angle ...that we have here on this network, proud to be a part of it, proud to be bringing you a political show, good political talk, good political uh, commentary, and we kind of switched into certainly the commentary part over the last couple of weeks because, uh, you know, certainly there's just so much to talk about, there's so little time to talk about it, so welcome to another edition of Spin Class, talking Politics, and well... The countdown, which I believe to will be the one of the most watched television events ever. You know, they talk about the JFK Nixon debates back in nineteen sixty, how that kind of changed the course of history, how that Nixon looked old and JFK looked young and TV it was just a a new medium that people were finally, you know, gaining wide acceptance. People were kind of tuning into TV and the visuals of TV and, you know, Nixon had the 5 o'clock shadow, and he just looked, and he looked, uh, he was sweating a little bit, and he just looked uncomfortable in front of the camera. And, you know, there's uh, some good documentaries about that. And we might be heading for one of those moments, potentially, this coming Monday night. If you are not, if you don't have a seat at Hofstra, which is, uh, you know, local here in New York, which I don't, pretty much impossible to get tickets. You can't even get tickets on StubHub. Can you imagine an event? that you can't get tickets online, you can't scalp tickets, at least doesn't seem like it right now, to the Hofstra debate, the Clinton-Trump. It's like a thriller in Manila, or I'm not sure how to say it, the something in Hempstead or Uniondale. But this is going to be one incredible television event. I think people are going to be tuning in to see, finally, what's going to happen between these two, and could that change the dynamics of the race? Could that change the... Uh, well, just the trajectory that has the two, these two candidates kind of stuck in the same polling range, if you will, You know, with Trump in the low 40s, Clinton kind of in the mid-40s, and of course not state by state, not exact, of course, state by state is what matters. I still believe, as I said last week, that Trump can win, but he probably won't win. And the reason he won't win is because, number one, there just seems to be... A big segment of the electorate and a big se- segment of Republicans, you know whether it's fifteen percent whether it's twelve percent whether it's ten percent who will just will not vote for Donald Trump, it's like a bridge too far for most of them. They just can't get around all the litany of misstatements of bigotry or and out there the divisiveness and just general what I would call kind of Unpreparedness. I mean, if you look at Trump and you look at the some of the things that go on, you just seem to feel as many, particularly in the foreign policy establishment, many seem to feel that Donald Trump is not prepared to be president. Is not doesn't have well. Forget about the temperament. Just the. Understanding of the worldview. Now, some appreciate, some feel, okay, well, the worldview, you know, Barack Obama was, you know, viewed himself, and this is what Trump and Trumpistas like to say. Well, he's, you know, you're not running for president of the world, you're running for the president of the United States. But I do want somebody personally, somebody with a little bit of an understanding of the nuances of the world who do, doesn't seem to understand some of the issues with regard to Russia, with regard to Putin, doesn't just Employees him incessantly. And understands what the nuclear triad is. Understands a, a, a lot of just you know the 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 axis between Russia and Iran in Syria fighting together on the same side. Uh, you know, it, not everything is so simplistic. Even when it comes to Israel, it's not simplistic. And the more simplistic the answers that you give, the more it betrays a lack of general understanding. Of policy. And you know, I'm not sure whether it's just a willful ignorance, although it seems sometimes there's just a willful ignorance uh or an unwillingness to understand that policy is nuanced, that policy is important. And this election has really just been devoid of policy. It's unfortunate because you know, as one who cares about policy and substance, there's just none. There's very little to hang your hat on. Yeah, the candidates kind of throw stuff out there, but it's and I'm not saying they're not trying. But in effect, it's drowned out by this you know, circus sideshow, which is, of course, going to make this debate all the more entertaining. But of course, every week there's more of that sideshow, whether it's Hillary being sick or it's it's the just the the dealing. Or they got the two foundations now. And we'll get into that in a second, um, you know, because I, I, I don't. Well, we got – you got the the Trump Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, you know, being traded, accusations going back and forth with regard to that. But we also have just the – well, the inappropriate remarks by by surrogates mostly on the Trump side, although not entirely, um, you know, at the birther thing. I mean let's – you know, actually we should unpack that for a second because to me it's just – well – let me let me pause for a second in the narrative that I was getting to. The Bertha thing is awful. I, I I don't. It's just inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. Yes, Barack Obama. You know, okay, Barack Hussein Obama. Whatever you want to say, you like him, don't like him. It doesn't matter. You respect the office. You respect the presidency. And the bottom line is, Barack Obama didn't want to. Why would he? I understand the feeling of I'm the first African-American president, the first black president. I don't want to have to release my birth certificate. And so therefore he didn't, which in my mind makes sense. I mean, look, if, if somebody were the first Jewish president, I wouldn't want them to have to release their birth certificate either just because why You know, should everybody have to prove you are who you say you are? You've been elected to office before and presumably – that's that should be good enough if people vote for you. I mean, millions and millions... Of, I mean, the bottom line is Republicans seem to not be able to get past the fact that millions and millions of people voted for Barack Obama. More people voted for Barack Obama than voted for John McCain. More people voted for Barack Obama than uh, voted for Mitt Romney. And it, it just is. That is what it is. Good campaign, bad campaign, bad timing, whoever, whatever the reasons are, whatever the macro reasons are, whatever the micro reasons are with regard to the campaign, the bottom line is he beat them. And... Yes, and finally, in 2011, he had to release his birth certificate because, okay, so Trump takes credit for that. Great. It's five years later now, and Donald Trump has finally come around to the fact, or perhaps he did, perhaps he didn't. I mean, that uh, that circus of, once again, that circus of uh, announcement was, in my mind, quite insane uh, going back uh, to last Friday. Uh, it had me glued to the TV, I have to say. I mean, that's... I I ended up watching I mean, it was exactly what he wanted. I wanted every I ended up watching the entire press conference because I mean what did I need to know another general who's uh who's endorsing somebody? I don't care if the generals invo- I never saw. I mean you have a couple generals, you have a couple generals. Is it a match to see I have 100 and I have 110? A little bit ridiculous. But let's let's have it for a second. Okay, but then The whole idea here, well, Hillary Clinton started it. He's back to this whole thing. Well, he started it. Well, he started it. Well, he started it. Well, he started it. it. I mean, again, it's like it's this – it's this thing. uh, Donald Trump's campaign is like, are you in the third grade? When can we get off the playground? When can we get serious? When can we stop talking about, well, he started it? Let's talk about fundamentally whether these are good for the country. Is it a positive thing for the country that you have – pushed, knowing that there was a birth certificate out, out there, that you have pushed this narrative that Barack Obama was not born in the United States. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And then you take credit for finishing it five years later. It's it's just double. And then, of course, you have all your surrogates go on TV and essentially push this lie that, well, the Clintons did it. Now, Even if there was a memo from Mark Penn and even if there was something being pushed by Sidney Blumenthal, whoever it was, out there whispering, the candidate herself never, ever said it. She never made a statement that Barack Obama wasn't born in the United States. Donald Trump did. So there is a difference. It's a fundamental difference. But, you know, you make a fool. I mean, Chris Christie had a bad week. There's no question about it. Um, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than having denied for months and months and months that he had nothing to do with the – you have nothing to do whatsoever with the George Washington – with the Bridge Gate, with the lane closures in Fort Lee. Yet, in the opening statement, a federal prosecutor, probably detrimental to their own case potentially, said that Chris Christie knew about the lane closure. He knew when it was happening. He knew about it afterward. He knew about it before. He knew. Not good. Not good. But, of course, I, what I found more remarkable was that Chris Christie went on national TV about the birther issue, and Jake Tapper asked him and said, you've been pushing it. He says, Donald Trump hasn't been pushing it. It's not Donald. He hasn't said anything. I mean, it, it, talk about a guy who will not be dissuaded by evidence. And you got to give Christie credit. You know, he sticks to his guns. He sticks to his talking points. He sticks to – and he's, you know, he's pugilistic. And, you know, he, that's what a lot of people love about him. That's what I loved about him initially is that he, he you know, he pushed and that was – you know, he wouldn't be dissuaded. And he, you know, had an agenda and he had always good points. But, oh my gosh, if you're – it's staring you in the face. You got to – you just got to – you got to give a little – I mean, it, it's all, It's almost that, that we've come to a point in this country that we can't agree on the same facts. We can't even agree, like, whether the sun comes up in the east in the morning. It's just, it, it's, you know, there's a Democratic view and a Republican view of that. And if the Democrats are one way, then the Republicans are the other way. And that is why nothing gets done in this country. I mean, if you can't agree on the basic fact that, Barack Obama produced a legitimate birth certificate from the state of Hawaii, and we can't agree on that. What is it that we can agree on? But to another two seconds on the sideshow, because I think there's just uh, incredible. So Donald Trump Jr. Um, you know, after the after his very polished speech at the Republican National Convention, they talk about him for mayor of New York. He's a star. He's okay. I mean, this guy he makes actually makes his father look disciplined. I mean, last week he talks about the gas chambers, and they'd be preparing the gas chambers if the uh, Republicans had said the things that Hillary said. Okay, I, I, we'll just leave that, because I, I don't want. But this week, he gives an analogy on Twitter about Skittles, about Syrian refugees, and gives a metaphor about that. And he says, you know, I, I'm sure plenty of you know about it right now, that he says that if you... You know, if you have a, if you had a couple, you had a, you know, you have a bowl of Skittles, and there were three that were poisoned. Would you eat them? And you know, it's it's. So this was apparently an analogy that goes back to Nazi Germany with regard to Jews. Uh, This is something that I wrote. And now, of course, Donald Trump Jr. might not know that, but there just seems to be a pattern of carelessness of just the idea that you can't that they can't seem. To, it, it doesn't seem a day to go by without creating another controversy. Uh, another thing that's insensitive. Now we say, oh, why be insensitive? Who cares? It's not a big deal. I mean, I have to say, when you get rebuked by the Mars Candy Company, and very simply, you know, Donald Trump Jr., Skittles are not people. We're talking about people here. And when you talk about refugees and when you talk about people, you're talking about people's lives. It's not it's not like a it shouldn't be a bean counter situation. I mean, legitimately, and I understand the refugee problem is a huge, huge problem. And I'm not saying and I'm not suggesting that we take in millions of Syrian refugees and we don't vet them. But the bottom line is that people are dying. And to be so callous as to talk about them like a bowl of candy, it's just it's just bad. It's just it's bad politics. It's bad politics. You, you get the feeling that as polished and as uh, well-spoken and as presentable as the Trump kids are, they just seem, don't seem to have any empathy for people. And you know the claim and the whole thing is about Trump you know, is he cares about the little guy, cares about the forgotten man. He cares about he's going to shake up the system on their behalf. But there's just no empathy there at all for people. And that, that's a little bit troubling. And then, of course, yesterday, Don King, remember him? Boxing promoter, flamboyant, the great hair. Uh, yeah, he, he goes, and this is, you know, Donald Trump, and this is kind of the absurdity here of, and we're going to get into Clinton for a second, but uh, I just, you know, I, I, it's a little bit to talk about the circus. And, you know, it seems that Clinton doesn't promote the circus, the circus atmosphere of this campaign. That seems to be all on the Trump side. And if... Clinton I'm sorry if Trump goes and he's standing right next to him, Don King the boxing promoter uh, a, 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 you know convicted uh, felon you know formerly but you know that's uh you know that's part of the image he goes before a you know some black clergyman and starts dropping the n-word I'm not gonna say it here even though it's internet he starts dropping the n-word in front of them and I mean you could see people were clearly uncomfortable with that and, well, I guess, you know, I, I've always wondered if it's okay to use that word. Is it okay if you're a Jew in front of Jewish audiences to use some racial slurs? Uh, you know, I mean, he's on TV. What, what, what are you thinking? And Trump's standing there. And this is his outreach. I mean, this is it's almost like the clumsiness of the outreach that that that's there. It's just he's reaching out to African-American voters. And his basic narrative is... Well, you got it so bad, so you might as well take a chance on me. I might not be good, but at least I'm not, I, I, you know, you don't have it. You know, Things are pretty bad already, so what do you have to lose? It's the what do you have to lose strategy. I never thought that was a good strategy in politics. It's kind of, you know, take a chance on me, what do you have to lose? But, but I will say that yesterday, combined with the Don King thing, you have Trump going for the audience and saying that we should introduce stop and frisk. You know, really, because it worked in New York. Now, yes, I, I believe stop and frisk worked in New York. I believe stop and frisk, actually, as my my friend and mentor, Joe Loda, says, stop, question, and frisk. That's actually really what's a part of it. Stop, question, and frisk. You don't frisk until you've questioned, which is, I think, the way, way to frame it. But number one, a federal judge deemed it unconstitutional. Yes, okay, so they have to... Now, number two is whatever you think about stop, question, and frisk, and whether it's a good policy or not, clearly, I think we know that people in the African-American community don't like it. They believe it's profiling. People in the minority communities don't like it. They believe it's profiling. But here you are wanting to reach out to them, wanting to explain to them why you're better for them, and you are talking about stop and frisk. I mean, it's as if you've run out of ideas in order to do that, as if you've given it no thought beforehand. You've given it no understanding of, of the nuances of policy. You've given no thought to policy whatsoever, so that's just well, I, I I'm just shocked by it. I'm shocked, proof, truthfully, as a campaign professional, I am shocked by the campaign that they're running, or the lack of campaign by they're running. You know, just uh, you know, and it, it it's just. But at the same time, essentially, the race is for for a lot of in a lot of ways is kind of a dead heat. I mean when you, you if you're in the Clinton, if you're sitting in Brooklyn, you gotta be saying, How are we not winning this thing walking away? Now, two things. I don't think that I don't think that anybody walks away with races here anyway. The electorate is very divided. There's really like ten percent up for grabs. It doesn't matter. I think a lot of Republicans are saying to themselves Yes, we know all the baggage, we know everything, we know this, whatever, but she's terrible. And she continues, and Clinton continues to prove them right on a lot of, in a lot of ways. I mean, she is just not particularly, you know, you, you just can't, there's just so little to love with regard to Hillary Clinton. I think that's what it is. I mean, and if her strategy is vote for me because I'm not Trump, I think that works for some people. But I don't know that that's working, and certainly, certainly doesn't work, be working for uh, for younger people, for younger voters. It doesn't seem to be working for a lot of voters out there who are kind of casual voters. And a lot of states, and we know this from the midterm elections, Republicans have a bigger base than do Democrats. And we'll have to see, you know, whether that is in some states that that polling, you know, and if you, and if you get and if she gets into the low forties. You know, in that range where the third-party candidates are still taking a lot of votes, Gary Johnson is hurting Clinton. Jill Stein, I'm sure, is hurting Clinton a lot of, in a lot of states where she's on the ballot. Gary Johnson's on the ballot everywhere. Uh, you know, there are ways that I can still see that in that Donald Trump wins this election, at, which is incredible considering all the the lack of a campaign. I mean, Donald Trump is not even advertising in many of the swing states. Um, it's just, um, you know, he was advertised a little bit. I thought the Ashley ads were pretty good. Uh, a lot of subliminal messages in some of these Donald Trump ads. Success. You know, you know on the screen, success. You know, put America first. I mean, it's just, uh, I think they're pretty, I think they have been pretty good, but he's not advertising. They're not up there. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they were up in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Nevada, New Hampshire, Virginia. And then, you know, they were... You know, then they've kind of disappeared. Now, whether he has money, he doesn't have money. I mean, one thing is, is is for certain, we found out this morning or yesterday, that Donald Trump's making a lot of money on this campaign. He's paid his businesses $8.3 million, I think at last count, for campaign-related, which in and of itself is staggering because most campaigns don't want to be caught self-dealing. Most campaigns don't want to be caught out there saying... Oh yeah, I put a lot of money in my pocket. Your donors' money, you know. Now he put he did put in fifty five million of his own money. Now Mitt Romney put, I think, more than that, um, you know, around maybe around that number. Didn't pay himself anything. Which you know, when you think about it, Donald Trump is basically putting a lot of money round tripping the money, if you if you will, if you want to look at it. But there seems to be a lot of money, and there is a history of that I mean, he did the same thing. I mean, we've seen, we're seeing documents now. He's doing that with his foundation as well. He took other people's money. Put it in the foundation, and then paid settlements for his business that his business had to do out of foundation money. Which, uh, well, look, we'll let Eric Schneiderman sort that out, um, and we'll see what happens. I doubt any of that is going to be adjudicated before uh, or decided before election day, but it's a less, you know, would be a lot less of an issue. But let's just talk for a second about. Um, back to, By the way, back to Stop and Frisk, and I think this is – and it has to do with the foundation as well. It has to do with Donald Trump's taxes. Great response with regard to Stop and Frisk from Color of Change PAX Rashad Robinson. Great line, and I think this is a, just a, a fantastic line. Uh, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, this is a great line. Perhaps Mr. Trump would understand what's at stake for racial profiling victims if police officers were empowered to lurk outside the penthouses of white billionaires – and demand to see their tax returns and foundation records. Wow. Now that's a zinger. Uh, that's that's a zinger. So let's just talk about the debate for a second because, um, oh, one more thing just before we get to the debate is uh, George H.W. Bush, Bush 41 as he's known, is going to vote for Clinton. Now, a lot of people making a big deal of this. Eh, not a big deal. I mean, it's not surprising. It's not surprising that Trump is not Bush's type of Republican. And this is just such a crazy race. I mean, Trump, Bush could just make the census. He's not really a Republican. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people say that. He's just not a Republican. I mean, you know, just because he's a Republican nominee, he's not a Republican. He doesn't stand for, okay, okay. I mean, Bush, he, he, I would actually be more surprised if the Bushes would support Donald Trump. Uh, now, yes, Jeb Bush's son is supporting Donald Trump, but that's, you know, political reasons, Texas Land Commissioner, whatever. I'm sure we're not going to hear from W before the election. And, you know, Donald Trump said, well, I don't want to support anyway. Look, it does matter to a lot of Republicans, particularly those who served in the administrations of the Bushes. But a lot of those are not in the Trump train anyway. They're not in the Trump camp. They're not coming to the Trump camp. They're not coming around because too many of them are on record not supporting Donald Trump. But as we come to Monday and we come to the debate, uh, Donald Trump made a little uh, – took a little – jab at the uh you know he said the uh well, well let's get the line here well i think talk about lester holt who is going to be the first debate mo- moderator okay because remember matt lauer who is lester holt's colleague matt lauer famously did not correct donald trump's assertion that he was against the war in iraq which i think we we pretty clear that that's pretty much a false statement so he says about Lester Holt, I guess he's throwing down a, you know, a marker, if you will. He said this morning, well, I think he has to be a moderator, Trump told Fox and Friends. I mean, you're debating somebody, and if she makes a mistake or I make a mistake, but, you know, we'll take each other on. But I certainly don't think you want Candy Crowley again. Now, Candy Crowley actually falsely, at, uh, back at Hofstra, back in 2012... Uh, corrected or said and she was wrong um, she tried to correct the record about Romney's assertion that uh, Rom that Barack Obama did not call um, did not call Benghazi an act of terror and in fact that was true she corrected him it was a it was actually a, a pretty bad turning point in the debate because Romney really looks frozen in his tracks on that um, but let's just say Trump could win this debate uh, there's no question his his debating skills his entertainment skills are without without not his debating skills his entertainment skills his ability to win the crowd his ability to even if he stumbles even if there's a problem I mean he he just came out of every debate you know he, it takes him like t- maybe a millisecond to recover from anything he, he just you know remember how Marco Rubio couldn't recover from Chris Christie or how it, 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 that does that's not going to happen to Trump but what what is what should be a little bit But what we don't know right now is that how Trump will do in a one-on-one situation. Remember, all the debates in the Republican were the kind of free-for-all, you know, nine people on the stage. You know, just everybody has a couple seconds. You get in a one-liner and then you're done. And This is going to be a lot more different. And I'm sure – and, and the bottom line is, Republicans in general—I mean, except for one or two debates—they just didn't take Trump on. The one debate where they where they did, where Cruz and Rubio really tag teamed him, I thought he looked he looked pretty bad. And this is going to potentially—I mean, we'll have to see how how Clinton you know if Clinton can you know handle that, uh, you know how she gets under his skin, how she goes, and you know who you know she'll probably challenge him on facts. I mean, if it's one on one, you're almost. You almost have to go ahead and challenge the other person on a continual basis. And let's see how that goes. I mean, it's going to be pugilistic. It's going to be a crazy, crazy time, uh, uh, crazy, crazy good time. So I encourage everybody to watch that. And we'll talk about it next week as we, uh, as we get there. Now, just to, as we close out for this, um, you know, I, there was a, well, Congressman Trent, Trent Franks, uh, got up there, um, you know, in the congressional soapbox, and gave a quote yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, that Republicans not supporting Trump are betraying the Constitution. And this seems to be the narrative right now that you know you have to. The only way to save the Constitution and save our constitutional form of government is Supreme Court is to support Donald Trump. Now, I I, I just want to say. The Constitution is – well, there is – the Supreme Court is clearly important. The Constitution is important. But having the choice and believing that both candidates or both parties think of their responsibility to country – and the responsibility to the United States and to the welfare and well-being of the citizenry of the United States. I believe that. I have to believe that. I have to believe in the end that most people want – now, they might have different paths to get there. And I, I kind of alluded to this earlier. They want what's best for the country. They're different – you know, we we differ on policy. We certainly differ. I have many differences with, with more progressive people. And, you know, we, we definitely differ. But – I do. we all care about the Constitution. We all care about the Republic. We all care about the future of our country and the future of our children and how to make a better life. And that's important. And I think I got to believe that the other side of the aisle also feels that. And I have to believe that even if somebody votes a different way than I might vote, they also care about the Constitution of the United States. So... That's it for this week. Hopefully, next week we'll uh, we'll unpack a lot. We'll get uh, we'll get some have some inside insight and analysis into what happened as uh, we take another move forward into this crazy campaign season coming up uh, with the culmination coming up on November eighth. Thanks for listening. This is Spin Class here on the Nahum Signal Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City speaks with Allison Josephs.